Welcome to Words of Inspiration with Rev. James T. Brown, Jr., the lead pastor of Tabernacle of Worship. Let's join today's message in progress. Well, family, we're going to be continuing today in our series titled Repercussions, Repercussions. And I want you to turn in your Bible with me back to the book of 1 Kings. We're still in 1 Kings. We're actually going back to chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11, and we're going to begin at verse 28. 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 28. And here today, the word of God, it reads, it says, And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. And it came to pass at the time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, a Shilamite, a Shilonite, found him in the way. And he had clad himself with a new garment. And they too were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said unto Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel. Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Because that they have fors- because rather that they have forsaken me, and have worshipped Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not w- not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments as did David his father. How be it, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David my servant's sake, whom I chose because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes. And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. And I take thee, and I will, and I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth, and shalt be king over Israel. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and wilt walk in my ways, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee, and build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee, unto thee. 
The title of today's message is The Secret Sauce. The Secret Sauce. You know, everyone knows there's, they, 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 when people really know how to cook, they have a secret sauce that they may put on stuff. They don't tell nobody what's in the secret sauce. They just put it and it has a flavor, it makes it taste like something you can't just get anywhere. You know, back in the day, there was a, a restaurant that had a secret sauce. You know, McDonald's, they had a secret sauce on their Big Mac burger. You know, two all beef patty special sauce. Lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Remember that? <laughs> well, see, they had a secret sauce. And I remember being a kid growing up, I, I, my, my, my dad especially, he would go and get me a Big Mac and he'd have a Big Mac and we would eat it together. And I sat there and I would sit there and, and just eat it. And you, know, and you know when you took off the, the bun, how they had the, 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 the dried up ketchup that was on it and the dried up mustard and the wilted pickle? <laughs> It was on there, but then the secret sauce was in the middle. And then, I mean, you could get a, a quarter pounder with cheese and you could get a double cheeseburger when they started serving that. And all of those were fine. But the Big Mac back in the day, it was just something different about it. It was something different about it. Now, in my 20s, I found out that the secret sauce was a Thousand Island salad dressing. And somehow that just didn't do me because I don't like a Thousand Island salad dressing. And I haven't had a Big Mac since. But... <laughs> That secret sauce was something that just captivated you. You know, some of your favorite restaurants, they, they have a secret sauce. Some of your, some of your family members, your par parents, or even yourself, you may have a secret sauce that you use for your meats or your, 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 your salads. This secret sauce that brings everything out, the flavor changes. Their businesses now, they call it their secret sauce. A, cer a certain way that they service their customers that other people just want to be able to, to, to model and to duplicate because their customers keep coming back and always give them great ratings because of that secret sauce. That they have some people that they're, they're, they're the way they build their cars or they build their, their 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 products. It's a secret sauce. Nobody else can seem to have. It. That's why everybody seems to want that, that that apple as soon as it comes out, even though I'm not a fan of it. But I got one. But <laughs> they, they have it and everybody has. They want that apple, the 13. They want the 14. Some some people are salivating on the 15. Now, the 14 they haven't even gotten here yet because <laughs> there's a secret sauce in it. Well, see, there's a secret sauce here in our text, and I believe that God is sharing with us, and we're going to dive in today. We're going to dive in today. But we, we have to remember, just reflecting back on some things we covered last week, you know, after God judged Solomon, after he judged Solomon, he let him know that he was going to take the kingdom out of his hands, and he's going to give it into the hands of his servant. His servant, that servant, as we see, is Jeroboam. The servant is Jeroboam. Now we will begin to see how and why Jeroboam received the kingdom, how he received the kingdom. In fact, when you look at the very beginning around verse verses 26 and 27, it's talking about Jeroboam. Scripture helps us. It makes a point to let us know that Jeroboam was the son of a widow woman. He was the son of a widow woman. So more than likely, Jeroboam spent much of his time as a young man working to take care of his mother and ensuring that her needs were met. 
ensuring that her needs were met. You see, in caring for her, this is probably where he gained much of his ability to be creative, finding solutions to problems and learning how to influence others, all to make sure that all was well with his mother. All was well with his mother. Also, we discover he spent time laboring for Solomon, laboring for him and building Milo and repairing the breaches to the city of David. I'm telling you, this boy Jeroboam worked. He worked. He did a lot of work and he kept doing it. But I want you to know this also. Jeroboam, he saw how difficult the work was and how much the people were being overworked and underpaid. But he continued to work. He continued to labor and work hard. This brings us to our text. Look back with me at verse 28. And here it says, and the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph, of the house of Joseph. Here, Solomon saw that Jeroboam was industrious and he promoted him because of that. He saw he was industrious. Now, Jeroboam being industrious, what does that mean? It means that he was hardworking and productive. I want you to see that conjunction. He was hardworking and productive. There's some people that you know, they may be hardworking. They're hardworking, they work hard. But you see that they're supposed to get 10 products done, but they may just get three or four, maybe five. And then they go around. They're hardworking, but they're hardworking making sure they get the time on the clock. They're making sure they said, no, no, I'm going to take all eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours. They're getting all their time, but their productivity may not be to the level where you want it to be, where you'd like it to be. See, this wasn't the issue with Jeroboam. He was not just hardworking, but he was very productive. He was very productive. In other words, he was able to make things happen. He was able to make things happen. Everybody wants someone on their team that can make things happen. You want to be people being there on time and all that stuff is great. But you want folks that can make it happen where you can turn your back and know that it's still getting done. You want to make it happen. So here it is. We find out that Jeroboam, he was a man who could make things happen. And Solomon liked that. Solomon liked it. He liked that. And he chose him. He chose it or chose to give him rather a very important post, a very important post. And that post was overseeing the house of Joseph, overseeing the house of Joseph here in this house. This is where, of course, you had the it, it may have been the counties or the sub tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim. And there he had to oversee it. There's some different titles that he could have been. He could have been um, lieutenant of the militia. He could have been several things, but he had a very important responsibility there in the house of Joseph because of this assignment. And I want you to know something, though. It's very interesting. It's important to note this, that King Saul, King Saul, he also looked to promote people who appeared to be productive, wanting them to work for him, wanting them to work for him. So this wasn't something that Solomon just did. Saul did it as well. But it's important to make note of this. 
I want you to note that King David, though, was a little bit different. He was a little different. David looked more so at their faithfulness and not just their work acumen. He wanted to make sure they were faithful. He wanted to make sure they were faithful to God and faithful to the kingdom and faithful to their. So he wanted to make sure of that. You see, David wanted to know if they had a heart for God. He wanted to know if they had a heart for God and loved the kingdom and loved his kingdom. If they had a heart for God and loved the kingdom of God and not just wanted to get a check or looking for a payday. Do you hear me? He wanted to make sure their heart was in the right place. He wanted to make sure their heart was in the right place. Listen, he, he, you always look for someone who shares your love for God. Whenever possible, you always want to look for someone who shares your love for God. Why is it? Because oftentimes it's the difference between a true servant and a hireling. Do you hear me? It's the difference between a true servant and a hireling. You see, a true servant will make sure things happen whether you are there or not. A true servant will understand that he's supposed to have his assignment in by Friday. But when he sees an opportunity to get it in on Thursday, he will or she will. This is what a true servant will do. A hireling will simply do what they need to do so that they can get their check, so that they can get their money. And then they'll be moving on. But a true servant, a true servant understands the principle of God, the things that God needs to have done, the things that God needs, to, needs him to accomplish or her to accomplish. And they serve and labor in that. So you want to make sure they have a love for God, a love for God. But here Solomon, he just wanted to make sure that they, he had the talent. They had the ability to make things happen, and he wanted to put him in the assignment, put him in the assignment, and he did. Now, I want you to look with me at verse 29. Look at verse 29. Here it says, and it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they too were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in 12 pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, take thee 10 pieces. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and give thee 10 tribes to thee or give 10 tribes to thee, 10 tribes to thee. Here. It's important to understand something. It's important to understand something. Here, Jeroboam received a prophetic word from the prophet Ahijah. He received that prophetic word. And it's interesting that they actually met on their journeys in the field. You see, they were going in different directions. Jeroboam wasn't trying to find Ahijah. He was simply going on his direction. But Ahijah was trying to find Jeroboam. <laughs> Ahijah was trying to find Jeroboam. The reason for that is because Ahijah actually had an assignment. He received the assignment and he went prepared. How do we know he was prepared? Because he put on a new garment, a new garment. 
listen, I know many people, and, and there's some theologians that go back and, and forth about this verse. They're saying that many say that the garment was on, on Jeroboam. However, there are others, and I, simply t I tend to agree with them, that actually Ahijah was the one who was wearing the garment. He was wearing the garment. It was his assignment. Understand that oftentimes your garment represents your assignment. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it was a blessing to you. If you're in the Metro Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for our regularly scheduled services at Tabernacle of Worship. You will also be able to get this entire message. Please feel free to visit our website at www.taboworship.org. That's www.taboworship.org for more information.